just like with art, sometimes you need to know when to stop with your painting because you might also overdo it. So how much perfection is overkill? Hello, high achiever. Welcome to the Inside Job Journey podcast. I'm Tiana, a certified professional coach. I work with highly effective and driven people that are always striving for more, helping them define what that more is and learning what they really want. In this podcast, I want to bring you on a discovery journey where you can learn more about what's driving you to never settle. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of the Inside Job Journey. Today with me I have a long-awaited guest. I've been asking Ana Maria Dorgo to join me for quite some time. She's very busy but in a good way. She's a true superhero in community building, um, inside and outside of work. And Ana Maria, do you want to introduce a little bit yourself and share with us a little bit what you're working on? Yes, thanks for having me. And I'm glad that I finally made it. Um, it's happening. We're doing it. Yes. I'm very excited to chat with you. Um, and yeah, so I am uh, keeping busy because I take a lot of energy from projects and general the work I'm doing. I uh, work at uh, Butter uh, from Monday to Thursday. I am leading the community project, having lots of fun with a lot of really cool facilitators, um, just lots of events and making sure that we hone this important skill. I am also a part of l Shakers. It's my... A passion project my baby started almost four years ago three years and a half wow. it's a community of practice for learning and development professionals that's where we met actually um and then yeah I'm still very active in that space lots of projects happening giving me lots of energy and thanks to everything I'm learning through any shakers and everything I'm learning through the butter community I'm taking and I'm packing all those lessons and uh I have this very big dream or ambition to support companies and NGOs nurture the power of communities within within from within um and so this year I launched a mini program called building communities from within and I'm working with two small groups to support them, um, make the best out of their communities and launch their communities for practice and learning uh, and accelerate their team's growth. So that's that's it. I'm in, I'm in between these three, three things. <laughs> three hmm. things, but three very um, similar in a sense. Yes projects that are complementing each other and building up your skills in a way that can benefit each other right so it's a really interesting combination and I think all the things that you have learned by building that amazing community as a, a L&D shaker um, help you somehow transition into that community builder uh, work right yes it, it was it was actually it was thanks to that like I I never set out to 
freelance or to start working with clients or to launch a product or anything like that. And actually this, this freelancing journey or exploration started last year and it started in a really organic way through my work with L&D Shakers. I started receiving requests for very specific workshops um, or projects that were very much community building, like at that crossover between learning, learning experience design and community, social learning, peer learning, et cetera. And it came natural because people knew me through my work in the community and they were approaching me saying, I have a project and this project is for you. And so the first two people I turn away and I say, I'm sorry, I'm not a freelancer. I can't help you. I can't do this. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm an employee. I've got my job. This is just a passion project. And by the third time I was like, hey, this is the universe knocking at my door, giving me a sign. And I said, you know what, let's do this. It was also someone that I really trust, someone that I felt very comfortable um, saying yes to. And, and then I registered my freelancing and then projects started coming in slowly but surely and they're very particular and very specific. And this year I said, we need, I really wanted to go a bit more mindful about communities within companies um, because I see the type of learning that it's possible in a community through L&D Shakers and the Butter community. And whenever I think at my times back as an L&D manager or an HR business partner, I'm thinking, oh, in so many cases, actually, and for so many projects, a community would have been very useful and it would have accelerated the growth or had a stickier implementation of a project or, 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 or. And I thought, oh, and, and I'm very happy actually to see more and more companies thinking about, thinking about communities and recognizing the power of community. There's still a lot of education to be done because community is just so widespread and suddenly everything's a community and right. it's, it's 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 not an easy thing to do it's actually it's very hard that it's a kind of an ongoing thing you're never done building it and so for certain people they they think it's just like a, a tick in the box and then you have a community and then that's it you and then it's it. done <laughs> And that's not how it works. But yeah, there's more buzz. There's more chat about that. So I'm, I'm very happy to see also companies that are, they start employing com community managers within their L&D teams or people that are very just laser focused on peer and social learning. And I think that I think that's wonderful. Yes, absolutely. And as a person that thrives into learning from others and just mm. having the opportunity to work with different people and just learn from each other and building something together I think the the concept is super super actual also to from an HR perspective I see this as a great opportunity for talents to just give their contribution to building something and gain visibility thanks to that. Mm, and I yeah. feel like there is a lot of times where talent, especially in big corporates, feel like there are not enough opportunities. And I think having a community that could build something into, it's a great opportunity because that's where the ideas sparks mm. and then it becomes bigger and then in no time, you're presenting a project to someone, a business case to start something new or implement something. 
And I think it's something that can really, really be beneficial in so many ways through, through a company. So let's say that our listeners are curious about how you would go about um, thinking even to start a community or mm. to maybe build something small that it's not yet a community, but where do you, where would you start? Yes. I could share how I started because LND Shakers was never meant to be what it is today. It was never meant to be a global community of almost 4,000 people joining us from all over the world with so many learning opportunities. So I think the best way to start communities, the, the way I build it and how I kind of grew into it, because it wasn't a planned career move for me. Um, and I know this holds true for a lot of community builders. It's you You start building something um, based on a need that you have. And that need may be slightly different, but it usually involves wanting to be surrounded by a group of like-minded people for a purpose. For me, um, when I started LND Shakers, it wasn't even called LND Shakers. I started it because I was the only LND person in my in my company. And I, um, I was, obviously you go about it and you do your work. And after, I think I was six months in the role, I thought like, I'm not, I'm not even sure, like, is that, is this, is my work good? Is like, could it be better? If yes, how, in which aspects, what are other people working on? How do other companies on board, what do they do for leadership? So it was just this kind of curiosity to kind of, get feedback and see what others are doing, this need for inspiration. And I actually went out and I and I Googled, like, is there any type of, I wasn't even aware of the world community. I thought, like, is there any like L&D group or people that are meeting to talk about learning in Amsterdam? And I couldn't find any. Then I went and I said, I'm just going to create my group. I'm just going to approach five random people on LinkedIn. And if they come back to me, probably they also feel like lonely. And I did that. So I had, for me, the best way to start community is with something that you deeply care about. So a pain that you have, that you believe that it can be alleviated by meeting other people with similar experiences, similar pain, et cetera, like that they can empathize, but also they can add some value and you might add some value to, to them as well. So um I, I would start there and that's where I started and you're, you're, you're bringing them together. And for me it was so, I didn't knew what I was doing. So even a group is like, okay, we're strangers. Clearly this isn't a meeting. This isn't a project because we're not working together. So I only knew that type of gatherings. Like we gather because we have to, because we need to deliver something. And this was very new. And we, the purpose was we want to learn. And then so, okay, hi, strangers, How who are you? Like, why are you here? Our first gathering was a lunch and we transfer headquarters with Monique and five people showed and we started just going around the table and being, who are you? What do you work on? What are your challenges? What are your pains? What would you hope to, re to, to see here? How often should we meet? How should that session look like? Uh, how do we take turns so that like we have our jobs? We don't want this to become too big or too yeah. you know we want this to add value so we started like that and I I think that was a very 
because I didn't set out to build a community, I went very gut feeling like <laughs> into the task and very much common sense like. And I think that for many, many people and what I see right now, people set out to build communities and they have this, this big dream in front of their eyes of a big community globally distributed and they probably seen examples and they want to get there and it's so big and they do not know how to start and they get stuck in that but I need a strategy and I need to like I need to figure everything out before I start and how do I even start and it's very often it's over complicating things and I'm like start with something you care about find three other people that care about the same thing and start meeting and creating value for each other because in the next meeting one of them will bring someone else and the other one will bring someone else and that's how you grow because what you talk about is valuable it's meaningful you care about it and then the rest like you will figure out the strategy as you go and it's not that it's just like building any other thing it's not rocket science (laughs) (laughs) and it's really about starting small and focusing on one thing not wanting to change the world in in (laughs) right away but just starting with your small pain and thinking what is the one thing that I can do for that and how can other people maybe help me with that and how I can help other people with their one thing I I think Mm -hmm. it's a wonderful approach and you have seen so much success with the L&D Shakers Mm -hmm. awards biggest Mm -hmm. community ever and it's so inspiring to see all the people taking ownership and organizing things and it now has a life of its own mm-hmm. and I am sure it brings you so much joy but going back to starting small and everything you said what are some of the lessons learned and some of the struggles that you have gone through with mm-hmm. the years? yeah I think there was this, there there were and still are many lessons learned. Um, hmm, just the other day, I was having a coffee chat with an L&D shaker and she asked me, do you have leadership experience? Like, have you led teams? Because I feel that you're just so good at it. <laughs> She's leading one of the projects. And no one asked me that before, like no one mentioned that before. So I had to stop for a second and be like, well, I do, I do have leadership experience because I've been leading teams before. But let's just say that I guess the biggest lesson for me was the type of leadership that I had to learn and use and still hone and improve to this day is very different in community building than what I was used to when my title was a manager mm-hmm. or an HRBP. And that leadership was so much more managey, much more, you know, you have deadlines and you're controlling things and you want to kind of steer stuff in a certain way. And that does not work with community at all. The more you try to impose something the more the community will not react to it so I at the beginning for me because I started it and I was so passionate about it like 
after the first couple of meetings, when I saw that people are showing up and people are inviting other people and people were finding it like returning to sessions for me, that was like, oh my God, this is like, it's really something special. This is, we're building something that people need and want in their life. So I got very attached to it. And I, I, I started a lot of things and very often I would, it would became very clear that if you want to go, we want to do more things. We need more people to do more things, right? Because it's also a free community. Uh, It's not a business, right? It's a space for learning. So as people started to take in bits and pieces and there were process to that because it happened purposefully and, and, and something happened to, 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 to make that switch. But I even had people coming to me like, oh, I was just very, I had my vision, right? When you're building something and you're very attached to it, you want things to go certain way and certain way. It means like, even from the way things look like, like visual, like small things, the words you're using to promote an event and all that. And I was, I was like, ah, how would I said, I would have said it differently, or "Mm, I would have done that in a different way. And I learned some very important lessons from from other L&D shakers when they came to me and they said, Anne-Maria, you have your style. I have my style. If if this is my project, you need to trust my style and you need to trust me to make it, to bring it to completion. Uh, You can't come and impose your thing because that's not me. So then there's two ways here. Either you fully trust me and you allow me the space or you come and you do this yourself the way you envision it. And that was very, those kind of very candid and open conversations that happened here, here and there just allowed me to, to switch the way I lead or I look at leadership in a much more, I don't know, loose human based on trust way. I'm, I'm very much more open, less rigid in my views on how things should get done. Um, and when I was able to make that pivot it was so it was very freeing and then I was very often very positively surprised by the quality of work that other people were were putting because they were making that part of the community their own um so that was a big big lessons learned and there are thousands of more lessons learned that and and still learning every day um and, and challenges, because you asked about challenges as well. Ah, there are so many and so still so many questions for which we haven't found answers to. It's this whole, um, the, the, grow, the question of growth. I'm happy when the community is growing and I think it's wonderful. Our core team is almost 40. There are so many events and projects and coaching and mentoring and there's so many things happening the community is very big. So now I'm kind of like a, a constant challenge or thing on my mind is how big is too big? Mm-hmm. How does scale change intimacy? At which point is the growth of the community coming in detriment of the vibe or the connection or the mm-hmm. the, the thing that like the magic in between people? Can that be done? Yes, no, I don't know. So these are all challenges that that we'll have to, you know, think about more and, and address and yeah. 
And you have surrounded yourself with people that are helping you building that community. So it becomes, it's now also their little baby and yes. taking those decisions, not in isolation, but as a community. It's it's kind of challenging too. I've learned from my work with the growth up with other two co-founders, I, I found the same things like, letting go of the need of control and this doesn't sound like me it's so frustrating when you see things and you're like uh they want to <laughs> to see this they want to, does it represent me but yeah. the beauty of what you said on how that um transformed in something beautiful and allowing other people to be fully their self and bring their full to the project and making that ensuring that you are providing the support but that it's still their style i think that's something oh that it's a, a very important lesson as a leader because it's so easy to work with people that are exactly like you and that work exactly like you <laughs> and you know that if you do something or say something it's going to look as you would like it to look but the beauty of having different people with different styles and different ways of thinking it's really that and how do you bring it together it what really changes that Mm. ability to use the different strengths and mm. different opinions and different approaches yeah. to build something unique as your community it's it's hard it's definitely hard and harder to work in this way like collaborative and allow space and so on but it's definitely much more um creative or inspirational and surprising I think that when you work with people that are very much like you or you impose your vision and they kind of have to follow and like you know make your vision happen you're not surprised because you start with that you build that and then you arrive there and then okay this is it right but with Ellen and that's kind of how that's how I experienced my work life like my work was very much like that you had a goal you knew how that should look like and then everything you would do as a manager was to get and fulfill that exact vision the way you saw it and you would press some people into some boxes at times because because that was you had to get there and now with community is you know where you want to get but not as much into how things should look like but more into whatever this thing is however this looks like uh what is the impact that we want it to have? So what's the problem, the issue that it should solve? And what's the impact that issue? What should it enable for us? So it's still a goal, but the goal is not predefined in terms of the deliverable. The goal is predefined in terms of the value or the things that it should enable. And then however that looks like, it would look different for me than for you. Like it would have a slightly different flavor. Um, but at the end of the day, does it really matter when when it's doing what it's supposed to be doing and having the impact that it's supposed to be having uh, to be having does it matter if it's blue or pink or uh, a circle or a square or whatever it's doing what it's supposed to be doing 
I don't know. And also we try not to take ourselves too serious. I think taking yourself too serious, it's for, you know, for certain contexts and in certain professions and in certain situations. But for community building, I think it's also letting go, letting loose, be flexible, see, you go, go with the flow. That's the beauty. It's more about, it's that typical, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey because truly the journey is where learning happens and you're doing all of your insights and aha moments. And then you celebrate the outcome, but actually that what adds to you as a person or as a professional is, is the getting there. It's the journey. Yeah, it's the journey, the success. It's really in the journey and what you learn from it. And I love how you framed it because it all goes back to curiosity. So as an overachiever, people often tend to want to have control and want to um, do things in a certain way. And it gets also together with a little bit of perfectionism. But at the end of the day, if we work toward our the other part of us, the curiosity, the passion, the multi-interest, I think that's where you you get what you let go of the rest. You will gain from things that you will learn from the things that you don't expect, as you said, because that's being surprised by the things that happen. And I think it's something that we tend to forget in the grind of everyday life and going through and running, 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 it's that sense of wonder and mm. surprise and excitement that you can get if you really are in the journey and you are letting go of some of those mm. things. Yeah. What's that typical, uh, what is the good enough, right? What's the good enough? What's the MVP? What's the minimum thing you could get out there that works, delivers on its purpose? Um, and I think I am to, to a certain extent an overachiever. Um, I am to a certain extent a perfectionist, but still I think I am a much more, I'm much more a person that values um, I, I guess variety. So when I when when I if you value variety, your creativity more than you value the tiny details and perfection of things, that's proving very helpful when you put things out there, no matter no matter what those things are. And you could stick with something. There's there's always something to be done better in everything right? Every single thing. You go back to that little line and you like kind of over pencil it because always. Um, but then also just like with art, sometimes you need to know when to stop with your painting because you might also overdo it. So how much perfection is overkill and how much, um, and gosh, I had a quote here somewhere. And it's, I absolutely love this. I never share this with, uh, but I kind of have sticky notes here uh, all over the place. Oh my gosh. And this was, um, so it's a quote by someone called Thomas Beckman, a real estate broker. 
Fantastic Four. That's I'm reading what I have on my, I don't even know where I took this quote, but the quote <laughs> says, perfection makes us yawn. It's boring. Yes. And I, I read this some, I, I don't remember when. I was like, oh my God, so true. So true. Like as a person, as I go about my life, I appreciate a lot imperfection in a lot of things, in every, in nature, in art, just like when I see scrappy things, when I see things that are kind of half done architecture, I appreciate that so much more than this perfect, pure. Yeah. So perfection makes us yawn. It's boring. How <laughs> wonderful is that? Here, I'm making oh my gosh, notes. for sure. <laughs> it's, it's eye-opening. It's so true because we get stuck in that idea of perfection, but in reality, perfect things are boring because you don't get to have that surprise. Surprise. That... Yeah. The wonder, the surprise. Yeah. Like, oh, I actually haven't thought about that. You know, when you, yes. you appreciate something perfect, like when you see something perfect, it's like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's something messy in purpose. Ooh, it doesn't give mm. you. Mm. Yeah, and then I think it, they this things that are imperfect have this big power to inspire others to do something. Like there's still room to take that idea and improve it, change it, make it your own. Whereas if you look at something that is perfect, then you look at it's like. I have absolutely no idea how I could do this better. That's yes. it. You stop You stop the line of innovation, the line of creativity, the line of potential of everything. It stops there when you appreciate something as perfect. Whereas if you look at it, it's like, oh, here are some rough edges and here are some tough things. Maybe I could do this and I could add, right? Maybe I could add to it. It just inspires action and you, you movement forwards and creativity. So... Mm, I like I like this thought I like this train of thought I like where this is going (laughs) yes absolutely so definitely if I think about how you you can get out of that perfectionism uh, mentality or that it's not always bad I'm not saying that but it's Mm. the overdoing as you said uh, the over focusing on something the I think the curiosity, going back to uh, wonder about things and just try to be in that moment and just be there and enjoy and listen and fully experience things. Hmm. And I love how you brought in art because art as itself, I think it can look perfect for someone Mm certain mm. things but there is not perfect universal art because different people enjoy different things and so it's amazing the number of possibilities that you're opening up for yourself when you just start thinking yeah. about it and just letting you yourself be surprised and mm. be creative yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's kind of that's a bit how how I see community as well. This it's a funny. I always tell the 
the people I work with close closer in the in the core teams of both communities or whenever someone comes and says I want to I want to do something I always tell them pick something that re- that you're really passionate about because it does it does take time and work like it you are adding something to your plate you might as well add something that gives you energy and fuels you with creativity or with whatever it is that that you need instead of draining you and i'm very mindful of those things in general in life in community or beyond community i try to sometimes detach take a bit of put a bit of space and look at my day or my week or my projects and be like is there am i taking am i taking energy like is this lifting me up is this inspiring me is this does this have the potential to put me in a state of flow where I forget about time and space and everything and I'm just fully immersed? Or is it on the contrary, something that's draining, something that feels hard, something that kind of like doesn't really match and it's just where, you know, you can't, you don't know where to fit it. Um, and life can, can, can't be always about, only about the beautiful things. But I think it's good to be mindful of like knowing what fuels you up and what drains you um speaking of perfectionists and high achievers and even 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 more than absolutely and you said it nicely because at the end of the day you can't have only nice and beautiful things in your life but when you have a choice (laughs) and you we have a lot of choices in our day-to-day on how we fill our day with things and a lot of times we fill the days with obligations and things that are done for others. But if we could fill that time with things that we're really passionate about, that energizes us, that gives us that drive, mm. I think our overall outlook in life changes because we are doing more of what energizes you. And so you don't have the time to to be like overwhelmed or oh, I can do it because those are the things that you're enjoying so much. And I know that you recently commented on the fact that everyone is asking you, how do you do it all? Mm-hmm. Because of course you're involved in many things, but it's really about what that is and how it contributes to your day-to-day life and what it brings in it's not a burden if it gives you energy it's not a burden if it enriches your life and it can be always beautiful there are days And, and even with the things that aren't giving you energy or aren't enriching your lives if they have to happen or if they do happen in general what I learned for myself that a good mindset to look at it or a good lens to look at it is what what am I what is something I can learn from this so maybe I don't enjoy it when I do it maybe it isn't the most inspiring and creative and energy giving thing but it's happening and I I'm in it And so let's be aware and see what are the lessons that I can draw from this, whatever those lessons are and where do they fit somewhere else in my life? 
And it's such a good, it's such a, uh, and I don't want to say, I mean, mindset, it's important. It's also important. Like boundaries are a thing. Setting boundaries, it's a thing. It's, it's, um, they're so important. It's good to know when you need to stop. It's good to know when you need to slow down. It's good to know when you need to rest and so on and listen to your body. And that's a lesson that I started learning in the past several years, ever since the pandemic started. I had very little, I was using my brakes very rarely. I was like a high-speed train constantly. Like I didn't had, I didn't had the need to hit the brakes, but with the pandemic and the the way this new life is I actually felt that I felt the need for probably first times in my life to kind of I need to hit the brakes because something doesn't feel right so and I don't I don't think that there's any amount of mindset that would have helped me push through that I genuinely I think mindset it's important and the way we look at things it's important but also there's a real thing in setting boundaries and in knowing how to listen to your body and your energy levels and, and what do they speak back to you. Uh, so there's this fine line between how do I look at things and how much is too much and where do I have to stop pushing and actually slowing down and hitting the brakes and, and resting. Because um, that's a real danger for perfectionists and overachievers and you are an overachiever usually because you're really good at reframing and having a mindset of I can do this and I you know I've got I've got the resources and maybe if I only do this and that so you're constantly like by nature I think we're adapting ourselves and we're really good at finding ways and being resourceful and so on um but some when the battery is low the battery is low it doesn't matter and, and and that's also an important mindset to have and be like, oh, wow. like, how does this feel like? Is this the time to, to put some distance and come back at it next week or in two weeks from now? Or when is the time to say no Absolutely. to what kind of things in my life am I saying no to? Um, there's lots to unpack here and many things and many uh, still things that I struggle with today like I'm, I'm not super good at that yet and I don't know if anyone is quite frankly like I don't know if anyone goes through life like being very centered all the time <laughs> but it's yeah. good to you know if you're meeting if you're meeting that person send them my way exactly <laughs> but this this just this power of and, and then whatever works for you like for me I, I really like I have accountability sessions with Dana who you know every Monday yeah. and so that is a, a, a point in the week where I get to, she's there to, to, to lift me up and to prompt me to look at my life from above with different eyes and different perspective. So what are those accountability things? What are those, what are the tools that work for you that you've, that everyone, everyone has different things that work for them. So for me, I found that that works really hard. Otherwise it's really hard for me to stop and think and contemplate and hit the brakes and so on. Cause I'm like, Phew. um, so that helped me. What, what, what is it that, what is it that helps you, you know, stop and put things in perspective and be like, Oh, wait a minute. Hmm. Absolutely. And it's really finding your things because I think that in general terms, having an accountability partner or someone that can be there as a mirror for you to see yourself from another perspective, I think it's always helpful. But there are many things that people can 
use to to really build first of all as you said you first have to understand yourself and build that self-awareness on understanding mm. when your battery is low before it drains completely and you are left with nothing in it so learning to your patterns your thinking what works for you and it's a journey that it's so big and it can be overwhelming from from that perspective too but it starts with the small things that you notice about yourself you don't have to start knowing perfectly who you are and whatever it is but start with one small thing and build up from there and find the tools that work for you try different things and if they didn't work out just try something different and we're good at that because <laughs> we enjoy the variety and try different things mm-hmm. and we get excited about them and we overdo them sometimes even the good things <laughs> but it's really starting small and uh, knowing that as you said it's it's like with the community it's never done mm-hmm. and arrived it's about the journey and enjoying yeah. it I know you have a journal journaling practice that you re started um (laughs) I admire you for that because I had some attempts and I'm I'm still like I'm not I find it so hard so I admire you for getting back at it and getting back into it so I see your prompts on Instagram and sometimes you know I I actually stop and think oh hmm, interesting like what does that mean for me uh I never had a I never had a proper journaling practice I haven't really gave it enough time to see if it works or not so I think that's that's where this beauty comes in. What is it that works? What would you need to kind of take that time seriously, the time to detach and look at your life from this helicopter perspective and be able to take decisions? Because when you're in the weeds of it, it's really hard. So for you, it's probably journaling, you know, to step back, pen and paper, have your prompts, your coffee in the morning, and then that's your time to detach. That's very hard for me when when I'm alone so I need a person mm-hmm. in the other in in the room to to hold me like to draw me and be like whoa what's happening here so it looks different for each and one of us but Absolutely. it makes such such a difference in in the way I look at things life work projects and so on absolutely and different things work in different ways so just because journaling doesn't work for you now it may work in the future or um, it doesn't have to be daily sometimes people feel like if I do this I have to do it exactly like (laughs) by the book yeah Uh, but yeah try different things and find what works for you and I'm just conscious of the time this time flies by and before I let you go and I'm so sad to let you go (laughs) because I'm enjoying this time so much um I wanted to ask you if someone listening to this podcast could take away one small thing Mm -hmm. to implement in their day-to-day what will that be Ah, it's hard. You should have prepared me for this. <laughs> uh, day to day, 
I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. It's probably. I have to. I have to go back and fall back and look at my experience. Um, we just mentioned that this will look different for each and every one of you, right? So, if it works for you, it doesn't have to work for me. I'm trying to do to look at something I'm already doing in my day. By default, it's almost a habit, uh, which for me is to have my morning coffee. Um, and take that thing that it's a habit and see how you can elevate that and turn it into, into a ritual that has meaning, where, whether that's, or, or link it to something that you would like to see more in your life. So for me right now, that is very much linked to movement. I work from home for the past years. I rarely move my body. So now almost every morning I put my coffee to go and I, I, I go for an hour walk. But three years ago, when I was biking to work and I had that movement, I used my coffee time to read. I wanted to read more. So then suddenly I had 30 minutes with my book and my coffee uh, you're linking it with journaling. Uh, what What is it that you would like to have more in your life or have like elevate your life or enrich your life with and anchor it into something you're already doing without thinking every day? Wow, that's so powerful. It's a small trick, but it's really impactful because you're already drinking coffee. So how do you elevate that and yeah. make it something that can bring you more of what you need? And it can be just sitting there and looking at the nature. It can be walking. It can be reading a book. Ah, super useful. Thank you. Thanks Hello, Maria. for the great chat. This was an amazing, amazing conversation. I can't wait to invite you back at some point mm -hmm. because I I love just spending time with you and picking your brain and just hearing about all the amazing things that you're doing because I really, really admire you as a person. Uh, I love who you are and just keep going and keep doing you. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Happy to be back. We can also chat off the camera, having Absolutely. the coffee, you and me all the time. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm happy that that LD Shakers brought you into my life. And just like you, it brought so many, so many interesting, inspiring people into my life. So, you know, if you want to close this with the power of community, it would be that, like bringing you closer to people. And, and the people that have to, the people that are important for whatever reason, they will stick to you. They will stick in your life. Um, so yeah. this was, this was great. Thank you. And uh, thank we'll you so in touch much. And we catch up soon. Yes. Thank you. This episode is over. However, you can like, subscribe and follow for more content.